Welcome to the talk show for talkers on irishtalkers.com. Hello, Toastmasters, Whoopi Toastmasters, listeners and friends. You're most welcome to this week's series of episodes on the talk show for talkers here on irishtalkers.com. As always, you can get us through email on info at irishtalkers.com. You can view our Facebook as the Talk Show for Talkers and our website is irishtalkers.com where you can find all our shows going back for, oh, an awful long time. I've lost count. We're in season eight, so I guess it must be seven years plus. <gasps> That's a long time. And a lot of episodes, but you can pick and choose any you want from history. We also publish the Public Speaking Weekly, and you'll find a link to that on our website, on the newspaper page. It's worth a look every now and then. It's a roundup of links from the internet on things to do with public speaking, confidence, leadership, Toastmasters, and in fact, anything that really goes into speaking in public. My name is Moira O'Brien, and I'm joined this week by the perpetual, pontificating, perceptive Paul Omani, Mr. Omani. Welcome, listeners. Thank you very much for tuning into this podcast episode. I hope you'll enjoy it. Thanks, Paul. I hope you enjoyed those uh, new alliterative intros, or maybe from the look of your face, you didn't like them, which is quite understandable because they weren't all necessarily, what's the word for it? Moira, pontificating is a bit close to the bone. Is it? It's a very fair piece of feedback to describe me as a Okay. <clears throat> well, pontificating okay, can be okay. What do we have for you this week? We have our usual word of the week and thought for the week. In episode two, we're bringing you another link from YouTube. And this time it's the 10 most common rhetorical devices. And they're not necessarily the ones you might immediately think of. In episode three, Paul is going to be talking about what you say when someone talks to you about joining Toastmasters. And in episode four, I'm going to be looking at Chris Hadfield's writing and speaking tips. Chris Hadfield being a Canadian astronaut. Let's dive straight into the quote. My quote for the week is one that I've used a lot. I heard it maybe 30, 40 years ago when I was in the corporate world. I think it might have been my boss in the 80s who told me about it. Oh, the 90s, sorry. But I'm saying it's from Anon because I don't know who actually said it originally. It goes like this. You get a job through aptitude. You lose the job through attitude. You get the job through aptitude and you lose it through attitude. Paul, what does that produce in your brain? It reminds me of what somebody has to have in order to get a job. And the first thing that comes into my mind is they need to be regarded as competent enough to do the job. Now, if the speaker meant by aptitude competence, I don't have much difficulty with it. A whole lot of employers these days will also regard the soft skills side, which could be described as attitude, 
as important. There are quite a lot of jobs you wouldn't get if you had, let us say, a an attitude which the selectors considered to be inappropriate for the company. For example, if you came across as a big-headed person full of your own importance, no matter how competent you might seem, there would be questions over your ability to work in a team. There would be difficulties about that. Attitude is such a vague word. It could apply to all sorts of things. So if you want me to be concise, I would say it's an unhelpful phrase. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. My takeaway of this is that, as you say, you you get your job by how well you are able to undertake the specific job. But the reason that you get sacked or you lose the job is because your attitude to the company or to your colleagues is wrong, is bad, is not good. I suppose it is a matter of how you fit into a team, how successfully you manage to integrate. And no matter how good you are at actually performing the task, if you don't fit in, you're not going to survive in the team. Nothing that applies to any sort of team, not just a work situation. When I was training people on how to select staff, I remember putting a lot of emphasis on the need to completely abolish the word attitude. I didn't think it was a helpful one. I thought that it would be much more appropriate and useful to talk about behavior. So, for example, if somebody behaved in a rude way towards other members in the company or behaved in an uncooperative way, that wouldn't be an attitude. That would be a behavior. And it would be a behavior that could be described precisely and could be assessed in connection with criteria which might exist within the company's appraisal system. Because attitude is, in my mind, it's the kind of word that people use frequently when they're not clear about what they're talking about. Yeah, deep intake of breath there. We could carry on this conversation, I think, for some time. I'm not too sure that I go along with everything you say, but I can see that you don't like the word attitude. For me, it describes the way that a person is viewing the people around them. Now, behavior is just another way. Behavior, well, behavior is more physical, isn't it? The things that you do physically. I know I, I see you frowning, but attitude is a purely mental thing, isn't it? Notwithstanding the argument, let's move on to the word of the week. Paul, over to you. As you have just used the word notwithstanding, I'll use it as well. Notwithstanding the apparent difference in opinion between us so far, in other words, despite the apparent difference between us, and notwithstanding the extent to which we normally approach matters in a distinctive way, I'd like to introduce the word notwithstanding as a useful word which has existed since the 14th century. For example, notwithstanding the fact that the speaker spoke slowly, none of the audience are likely to have been bored by the content. Notwithstanding the enthusiastic applause which the speaker received, 
it's unlikely that the audience admired the content of the speech. The person won the contest, notwithstanding my opinion that Moira O'Brien gave an even better speech. So there are examples of where you could use the word notwithstanding. Now, some of you may think that the word notwithstanding is three separate words, but I assure you that the spelling of notwithstanding is N-O-T-W-I-T-H-S-T-A-N-D-I-N-G, and it is one single word. So when you write it, please write it as notwithstanding. It has a number of words you could use instead of it. Now, instead of notwithstanding, you could always use the word regardless or the words regardless of the way in which the person communicated. That would be the same as notwithstanding the way in which the person communicated. You could also use the word nevertheless. Person woke up in the morning. Nevertheless, they needed to eat breakfast or, for example, notwithstanding the fact that they were hungry, they needed to eat breakfast. You could also use it even sometimes instead of the word when, notwithstanding the time that it was, the clock showed 12 o'clock. That is not a particularly good example of using it to join up two parts of a sentence. I will simply leave you with the thought that notwithstanding is a word that may help you to capture the attention of an audience to what's going to happen after the word notwithstanding. I like the word albeit as a, as a synonym of notwithstanding. I like notwithstanding. It's a really nice word to use. But albeit is also a good one because you could almost use them interchangeably. There's maybe a nuanced difference between the two, but not very much. And uh, Moira, how do you spell albeit? Good question. I think you should have this as your word of the week in a future episode. I spell it A-L-B-E-I-T. Well, you're absolutely correct. That is the only way to spell the word, single word, albeit. Some people might think that albeit is three words, but just like notwithstanding, albeit is one word. Albeit any disagreement we may have, or notwithstanding any disagreement we may have on the spelling or pronunciation, let's uh, bring this episode to a close and we'll look forward to seeing you again tomorrow when we're looking at rhetorical devices. Again, see you then. The Talk Show for Talkers is published every week in sections at 4pm every Friday, Saturday, Sunday and Monday. Go to our website, irishtalkers.com, for more information.